Hello, and welcome to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur, where Hayut Yogev speaks with entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs about reaching or missing the critical point of approaching the right customer with the right message at the right time and place. The point where business success starts. And here is your host, Hayut Yogev. Rich or Miss, episode 141. Hey, my riches, I'm Hayut with our weekly show. And I think I really have something different for you today. I believe today's show is unique for three reasons. First, this is the first entrepreneur I've met that his parents encouraged him to follow his passions and dreams, but he decided to go on the safe side, studied economics, and worked in marketing. Second, this entrepreneur actually created a new market category which is the best and right way to become a market leader as an entrepreneur. I'm talking a lot about that and writing a lot about that in my blog, and this is one of the most precise examples that shows how to do that right. And the third reason is that this is one of the most unique and fun entrepreneurship that I discovered through this podcast. My guest today defines himself as the portrait artist for professional athletes. And I'd like to introduce you to Blake Jamison. Blake Jamison is a pop portrait artist in Manhattan, New York. He paints pop art portraits for professional athletes and celebrities, including Howie Mandel, Drew Brees, Joe Montana, Gary Vilnachuk, and over 250 other professional athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, and PLL. Black's path to becoming a full-time artist was far from traditional. Despite his passion for art at a young age, Black decided to forego art school for a more practical degree, studying economics at UC Davis. After graduating, Blake began his career in digital marketing at Zynga. He worked in digital marketing for nearly a decade, working for small tech startups to publicly traded companies. On his 30th birthday, Blake decided it was time to stop building someone else's dream and start to follow his own passions. He began painting full-time nearly five years ago and has carved out a niche that allows him to paint every day. Black Jameson, hey, what a great pleasure to have you here. Hello, thanks for having me. It's so great that you are here, and I already told you that I'm so excited towards this interview. I believe it's going to be different than most interviews or most guests that I had at the show until today, because I saw what you are doing. Awesome. So it's great having you. Thanks. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now. And I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and what's passionate about today and where are you heading? Sure. So I am a portrait artist located in New York City. And 
I've had an interesting kind of roller coaster of a journey up until this point. But what I do right now is I paint portraits for professional athletes. Primarily, I work in the NFL, although I do work with other athletes that play soccer, lacrosse, wrestling, hmm. hockey, uh, all types of athletes. And I've kind of carved out this niche for me where an athlete or maybe the spouse or the girlfriend of an athlete is looking for a painting that kind of captures special sports moment for them. I'm oftentimes the person that they turn to, and I'm very fortunate to work with awesome people and get to paint every single day, which I love. Which is great. I never heard in this podcast an entrepreneur that paints portraits of athletes. Yeah. But I want you to tell me a bit about this roller coaster sure. that you just talked about. So I grew up in a very creative household. I was always encouraged to paint or draw or do photography, all of those things I love doing. However, I kind of have convinced myself from a young age that art was... A starving artist and it was not necessarily a viable career path and so <laughs> instead of doing actually what my parents encouraged that I do which was studying art in college I decided to study economics and took what I thought was the safe route at the time and parlay that into a career in marketing so when I graduated college it was when oh. social media marketing was become was just starting to become an actual respected career and I was able to get in at a very you know ground level for some pretty reputable companies and work my way through several different companies and then I spun off and started working for myself as a freelancer, which allowed me to work with even more companies and ultimately, it was on my thirtieth birthday that I decided that I was tired working for someone else's dream and I wanted to follow my own dreams and realized also at that time that you know maybe my parents were right all along. <laughs> Okay, and then how did you come to painting athletes? Sure, okay, great. So I'm very grateful. My background in marketing and understanding specifically digital marketing and having the experience marketing a very, very wide range of products, I understood how social selling worked and how it was really a relationship building mm -hmm. business. And because of my experience in digital marketing, I had built up Not a huge, but a moderate following of of friends and family and colleagues and people I met along the way. And so when I first decided, okay, I'm going to start painting, I knew that I had to specialize and I had to come up with a specific hmm. niche. I was never the artist that says, "Well, I'm just going to paint whatever I feel like painting, which is fine. If someone wants to do that, that's no problem. But I'm also a marketer and a businessman. And so I decided I'm going to paint a specific thing for a specific subset of people. And because of my network at the time, I decided that I was going to paint for offices, okay. basically for tech companies, because those were all everything, everything in my Rolodex mm. was tech companies. And so I was going to my existing contacts. I must ask something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Did you really have a Rolodex? Oh, like, uh, no, I had my, my phone uh, contact list. Okay. When I, when I did some marketing and sales before, I did have a physical Rolodex. <laughs> But I started going to those people and saying, "I'm an artist. I paint office art, basically, for tech companies, because that, that was my contact list. And so what that ended up like turning into is I was painting a lot of portraits of people like Steve Jobs or Gary Vaynerchuk or different, you know, iconic mm -hmm. tech founders, not necessarily for them at the time, but for other people who aspired to be like them and put a picture of Steve Jobs in their office. Really? Or 
you know, a mo- some kind of motivational quote. And I did that for, I think it was about two years and that was going well. I, I had my niche carved out and I was gaining reputation as one of the leaders in that space. And it was really oh. kind of lucky coincidence that I met this guy while I was delivering art to a different client in Las Vegas. I met someone who had previously played in the NFL professional football and was now a manager of existing players that play in the NFL. And he really liked my art. And he said, man, office art's really cool. But what if you did some paintings for some of my clients? And then I'll make sure that they're going to post about it on social media. They're going to promote you. I can't like, I would love to give this to them as a gift. So it was free from, from the beginning. The expectation was this would be unpaid work, but it could potentially lead to more work. And I've always I always, um, what's the right word? I gravitate towards that, those type of opportunities. I'm never afraid free. And, and at that time, unfortunately I was free and, and I did it. And as soon as I painted for a few athletes and then I realized that their teammates saw it and by nature, they're very, very competitive Mm. people. And so when one guy buys a painting or not even when one guy has a painting, the next guy wants a bigger painting. They also have the, you know, disposable income to pay for it. And they have much bigger social media followings to promote my work than most te- startup tech companies that I was working for. <laughs> so it just made sense. And so I pivoted the business. I guess it was two and a half, three years ago now. And at this point in my career, I've painted, I think, more professional athletes than almost anybody else in my space. Wow. Um, two things. First of all, you're talking about your space. And to me, it looks like quite a unique space, isn't it? Yes and no. I don't have a lot of competitors who focus exclusively on the niche of professional athletes. However, most portrait artists that I know, at least, have painted athletes, whether or not it's for the athlete themselves, because athletes in like today's culture are so, uh, you know, immortalized or worshipped that as a portrait artist, it's very common that a portrait artist will paint the maybe athlete that plays for the local city that they live in that's like the hero of the city because it's good publicity because other people recognize mm-hmm. that person and they like it. So there are a ton of people that paint athletes. There are definitely a lot fewer people who specialize in pl- painting athletes. Which I think you found, uh, as you said, unfortunately, most entrepreneurs, and this is a podcast for entrepreneurs, don't know what focusing is at all and definitely not focusing in customers so I really think it's a unique niche to start with. And the second question is, do you like to watch NFL at all? I do, although I watch it a lot more now that I paint for so many. I guess so. <laughs> so when I, I never played football growing up. I played other sports. I was very into sports. I played soccer, wrestling, and lacrosse. Wow. My parents would never let me play football. And that didn't really bother me as a kid. But because of that, I wasn't really drawn to watching it. As soon as I started painting, which started in the NFL, I started saying to myself, okay, well, I need to know what's going on in the sport and, you know, how not necessarily the rules, but like understanding the dynamics of the NFL. So I started watching it. And now, I mean, I watch it every week during the season. I'm always watching it primarily to keep up (laughs) with my clients so that I can say, you know, I could text one of my collectors and say, hey, great game. Uh, if he has a great game. <laughs> yeah, so now I watch football. I play fantasy football for the same reason, which helps me kind of track players across many different teams. 
but it wasn't football specifically wasn't something that I was grew up watching necessarily. Hmm. I really love it. I think it's such a unique. I think you live in it, so it sounds like you don't see how unique. What you do is, but it is, and I do want to ask you what would be your best advice to any entrepreneur out there, whatever they do? Sure, so I guess it's twofold. Hmm. Going back to the story about how I thought that I was taking the safe path, working in marketing instead of doing something that I really cared about, I know that it's kind of cliche and generic advice to say, follow your passions, but I will. tell anyone that's listening that if you're actually doing things that you really do enjoy and like then it just doesn't feel like work that's right and so as an entrepreneur maybe if you're trying to solve problems and I've heard other people say this I can't take credit but try to scratch your own itch so try to solve a problem that was your own problem hmm. don't just try and solve a problem that someone else says oh there's a lot of money in this problem instead do something to be like oh you know I grew up wishing there was a better you App that did, did XYZ then that's the one that you should make because it should be something that you want to use and you want to do every single day rather than getting into a grind just trying to chase a paycheck or maybe a big exit if you want to sell your company and I know that people could say well I didn't grow up loving and being passionate about football which is true but I've found a way to do things that I am passionate about which is creating and painting every single day and finance the lifestyle that I want to live and while not compromising my own dreams and goals and ambitions, which I think is super important. Hmm. On the other side of things, I think that working for free, which is really what kind of led me to, not only to the athletes, but even when I started with the tech companies, it's not like when I transitioned and said, okay, I'm a marketer, and then the next day, okay, I'm a painter. It's not like the next day people were saying, okay, you're a painter, let me pay you to paint something. <laughs> I literally went to companies and, And said hey I have decided to leave marketing I want to start painting and I want to focus on art for offices I made this really cool painting of Steve Jobs can I hang it in your office and take some photos and so I've worked for free so many times more than most people realize when they only see what social media shows looking like I sold work after work after work The reality is they're not all sold. Some of them are still to this day. They're just free gifts because I want exposure and I want to continue to do what I love to do. So work for free is the other piece of advice. I love that. I love that. And uh, I must say that you have the video and it looks like you are painting so fast and so many people. Mm-hmm. So it must be a fantastic journey meeting so many people in such a way. Yep. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, I produce a lot of work. I don't have a very long attention span. Some artists will work on the same thing for months. I've never, with the exception of a few very, very, very rare cases, I've never worked on a single piece of art for longer than one week hmm. because I like to be always changing, always doing new things, always trying new ideas. And so people might see me painting one thing, two thing, three thing, four thing, five thing, But the reality of the breakdown is one-third of those things I'm painting for free still to this day. Wow. I continue to promote myself and do my business development. And I have a whole kind of business model carved out. I have it. It's all scheduled to say, okay, this part of time is free work. Sometimes it's for charity auctions. Sometimes it's a strategic gift for someone who wants to post about me on social media. 
the, another third of the work is actual paid commissions where someone comes to me and says, I want a painting of myself or of my boyfriend or of my dog. How much will it cost? And I, and I tell them, and that's very straightforward. It's very transactional. And then the other third of work is things that I'm painting just because I feel like painting hmm. and I don't want to have any rules. And I think that that part is very important as an artist, even myself being very commercialized and feeling like art is a business. I still carve out about 30% of my time to do things that are, I don't really care if they sell. I still, I'll put them for sale. And if they do, that's fantastic. But sometimes my best work comes out of that because it's coming out of something that's doesn't have any rules and there's no box that I'm in. It's just me doing whatever creating I feel like doing at the time. Wow. I already see the links that you are putting in the show notes with some of your most beloved yep. paintings by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting. You've got already quite a lot of successes, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but I want you first to share with us what is your biggest, most critical failure with customers, the one that... affected your entrepreneurial journey the most or almost the most can you share that with us sure so I've had a lot of failures to be honest <laughs> I love you saying that the most important one um, one of the most important sure so something that I learned I would say two years into my artist journey is a full-time artist so I guess that would be about three years ago is I I'm, I'm a very trusting person. I'm a very positive person. I always think no matter what, the best outcome is going to happen. And, and I like that about myself. And I think that's important. And I've still stayed that way. But several years ago, I got in a situation where I was doing an art project on a, on a pretty, at the time, it was a big scale. It was a lot of money. It was a, an important project to me. And there were certain expectations that were set out from the beginning with the client to say, okay, well, this is a very big project. It, it's, I know that it costs a lot of money, but I'm still giving a massive discount because I have these other expectations, which were things like promoting on social media with specific, you know, with links to my website or to my Instagram or to my work. There were different things that we talked about mm-hmm. that I felt like were very clear. And the client at the time said, oh yeah, of course. Yes, of course we're going to do that. We're going to Do more than that and at the end of the day when the project was said and done and delivered the client basically backpedaled and said well no I, I paid for your work hmm. I don't owe you anything else and as growing trying to grow my art business sometimes to me getting a shout out on social media or a link or a video or something can do all the difference can be more valuable to me than the paycheck itself and so in this case like I did get paid and But I didn't get anything else that was very blatantly promised to me. And that was just kind of a turning point for me as a business or as a, as I guess, turning point as an artist and realizing this is a business. I need contracts. I need things in writing. And so that is the time when I hired my current lawyer, who's been my lawyer ever since, who will help me draft documents so that It's not for every single project. If someone just wants a single painting and we have an email correspondence, we agree on price, delivery date, that's no problem. I can just do that in email. But when I'm working with corporations or bigger entities and I'm doing multiple pieces and it's a multifaceted deal, everything that I have now is completely in writing. It's signed off. It's prepaid. There's a lot of 
the business side of art, which up until that point, I just kind of left up to like, okay, well, it's a handshake and everything will work out fine. And so that taught me to write everything down and have a lawyer involved as well, just so that I can protect the business side of, of what I'm doing. I love that because of few things. First of all, business, the connection between art and business is not, uh, is not very clear, is not go without saying. So I think it's important. The other issue is that I think it's some turning point of letting yourself to be a bit more naive and a bit more trustful. And it's something that it might hurt, but it's something that uh, I guess all of us uh, experienced at least once, if not much more. Right. <laughs> and now I would like you to share with us the story of your greatest, or one of your greatest, most significant success as a result of the right customer focus or something that you did right about approaching your customers? Sure. Well, I'm going to share two, but I'll try to make them quick. No, share two and take your time. Okay. okay. They're both very meaningful turning points in my career from my point of view. And the first one, I told you in my origin story how my parents always encourage me to make art. That's right. And we're always supportive of that. And they've been a huge part of my artist journey. My first studio is at their house. Hmm. And now I'm in New York with my own studio that's separate. They're just, they're freaking amazing. And I can't say enough good things about them. Hmm. I first started painting and I was painting pictures of Steve Jobs for tech companies, specifically tech companies that my parents had never heard of. <laughs> they were all You know, they were happy for me that I was painting and I was doing something that I loved, but they didn't know the tech company or they didn't know the tech icon that I was painting or anything like that. And so their excitement was just for me and my happiness. Hmm. But I think this turning point for me is I painted a pretty famous comedian named Howie Mandel. Okay. On America's Got Talent. And he's got a pretty... Uh, pretty deep resume. A lot of people know who Howie Mandel is, including my parents. <laughs> He was famous even when they were growing up, or at least when they were, I don't know, as old as I am now. <laughs> so, so like, they really knew who he was. And so I did this painting for Howie. And, and not only... I did it for him. It was for him, but I also got to go and paint it. I actually did it live at his studio in, in Los Angeles. Wow. And then he and I recorded this video together. And I told him about how when I first told my parents, hey, guess who I'm painting next? And they're like, who? And I said, Howie Mandel. They were just like so excited and so proud. <laughs> like even right then they were calling and texting their friends saying, oh, Blake's going to paint Mandel <laughs> and he's going down to Los Angeles this weekend to do it. And so like I told, I shared that moment with him and then he said, okay, let's just record a, another little video for them. And so we turned the camera on and he gave this very kind of heartfelt uh, speech or like video to them saying, hey, Rebecca and Patrick, I'm here with Blake. He told me about how when I, when he told you that he was going to paint me, that you guys got excited. So I just want to tell you, I'm really proud of him for you know, following his passion and following his art, because there's nothing more important than that. So being able wow. to send that to my parents, I mean, even like talking about it right now, I'm like kind of choking <laughs> up and tearing up. It was just, it was really, really meaningful to me um, wow. in a way that, that most other things were not. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, I can totally get it. 
I mean, uh, I can totally get it because, you know, as parents, as ones that always wanted you to do whatever you are happy with, and suddenly you are connected mm-hmm. deep to their world. Yeah. So they can really understand what you are doing. Yeah. Hmm. And then the second one, I guess for me, like the defining moment was when I left that studio in California that was at their house and moved to New York City, which was just over a year ago now, I was super afraid that I was going to become the typical starving artist and that I wasn't going to be able to afford the studio I wanted and my career was just going to slowly die. And for whatever good karma or good luck that I had kind of shining down on me, I was able to find an amazing studio at a price it wasn't in my budget at the time, but I made it work and kind of saw the success out really like branching out on my own. That was like a really pivotal time where, where I'm like, okay, this isn't just something that I'm doing out of a studio at my parents' house at the age of 30. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, I was 34, living in one of the most expensive cities in the country with not only an apartment, but also my own art studio and kind of had this like make or break mentality of like, I have to make this work. And I feel like I've been here a year. I just re-signed my leases. So so like transition of feeling like I'm actually <laughs> starting to make it work. Obviously, I still have a long way to go, but that was huge. Wow. And you still have perhaps a long way to go, but you you did some pretty important yeah, journey definitely. until now. It sounds terrific. And this point that you suddenly feel that you are on your own and, and doing well, very well. I think uh, you have so many reasons to be proud of yourselves. And I think all of us are looking forward to these moments to come. So it's beautiful. You are coming also in a way from uh, the tech world or or have been connected to technology. And I want to ask you, can you recommend the best or most effective technological or digital tool that's related to customer focus, marketing or sales? However, I'm not looking for the shiniest last tool in the endless list. I'm looking for something that really helps you to succeed. No problem. That really works for you. Yeah. So so I have two of them. Great. And as an artist, I know that they are probably the least commonly recommended. Great. And it's kind of why they're so good for me. So number one is LinkedIn because Mm -hmm. LinkedIn is geared towards professionals and As an artist, a visual artist on LinkedIn, I am few and far between. There's just not, there's no competition. And so there's a ton of people there and they all have this expectation of, oh, I'm going to talk to someone that's in finance or someone that's a developer or someone that's Hmm. tech. And so when I can share my content on LinkedIn saying, look at what I painted, everyone's like, well, that's different. And, you know, that's how we connected, obviously. Yeah, I know exactly because that's what happened to me. Yeah. I saw what you were doing and said, wow, I must talk with this guy. And I I was sure that my listeners would love that because it is different. And I think I was surprised a bit about how you use LinkedIn. Right. Because it's like, uh, oh, he will run to Facebook or to Instagram, but you're in LinkedIn. Yeah. No, LinkedIn has been amazing. I started doing LinkedIn because I was doing the office art. And so I was trying to connect with office managers or interior designers. 
And that is kind of what turned me on to LinkedIn. But even when I pivoted to the sports portraits, I realized that, well, business professionals can put sports portraits in their office. And also the professional side of the sports industry of the agents or the financial planners that specialize in working with NFL players or professional athletes are very active on LinkedIn, but they're only being solicited by other business people, not by artists saying, I want to create something unique for your client. This could be a cool Christmas gift or any number of ways that I could engage with them. So it's been, it's been a super, super helpful platform specifically because there's so little competition. So depending what the listeners do, LinkedIn might not be the best answer, but the best answer might be, well, where do your clients hang out that they're not being approached by a bunch of your competitors? Hmm. First of all, I think that LinkedIn is in a way underestimated, especially for young entrepreneurs. So it's good that you are bringing it up again. And what is the second? Yeah, I, I do have a second. I still have a second one. Sure. What is the second one? So again, I feel like this is one that is overlooked as a visual artist because it offers visual, but it's not a visual platform, but it's Twitter. Hmm. And the reason that I love that is because Twitter is the only place that you can find real world conversations that are going on in the public space and jump in and it still feel organic and you can become part of that conversation without it feeling like spam. That's right. And can you give an example? Sure. So think about anybody that's talking about professional sports, which, for example, right now we're in football season. So every Sunday, there are so many tweets. Hmm. I could never, I would never have enough time to read them all about this, you know, one specific player made an amazing play or one specific team had an amazing upset or somebody got hurt or a new player was signed to a new team. There are these conversations that are happening very, very organically in a very public space saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe CJ Anderson got dropped by this team, but he got picked up by this team and he's going to play next week. <laughs> and then I can jump in saying, yeah, it's amazing. And also CJ is a really great person. He was the first player I ever painted in the NFL. He's one of my best collectors. And here's a painting that I did of him. And <laughs> it's like, I can go straight from jumping into a conversation not necessarily feeling like spam, but also be able to promote my art and what I do to people that care about him as a player. So there's no other place like that. The closest, I guess, might be very specialized Facebook groups. But even that, a lot of them, you have to basically get accepted into them. And even to get accepted into them, you have to know what the group's called or who moderates the group or there's all these gatekeepers and there aren't those gatekeepers on Twitter. It's just this public forum and it's limited where everyone only gets a short little blurb and then they're done. <laughs> and there's also, it's just different where in most social platforms like Facebook, for example, or Instagram, if you post once and then right after that you post again, your first post is kind of going to get squished. And it's not going to be relevant anymore. And, hmm. and Facebook or Instagram is only going to promote your most recent thing. If they're going to promote it, yeah. Yeah. Not even, not even promote it. Promote is not even the <laughs> right word. Just allow it to exist yeah. in the public sphere, right? Uh, that's right. But on Twitter, there's millions and millions of different individual conversations going on at one time. Yeah. And you could jump into 10 of them in a row, all within 
five minutes right. and your replies live on within that thread as if they're their own thing. And there's just, right. there's nothing else like that right now. And so I still just, to this day, I love Twitter. That's how I, that's how I actually get in contact with most of the NFL clients. If I'm talking to the exact player, if I'm talking to the agent, it's on LinkedIn. If I'm talking to someone else in the business, it's usually LinkedIn, but it's, if it's the players themselves or fans of the players themselves, it's Twitter. Hmm. I think there are two great things about that in Twitter. First of all, is the place that the athletes or the celebrities themselves yep. are there as well as the fans together. Not like LinkedIn that only yep. business people or those who see themselves as business people will be there. And the other thing about Twitter, then you said it, but I really loved that about what you said, is that in Twitter it's totally allowed to talk about what you're doing. I mean, it's not a spam if you are coming in the right moment with the right discussion, with the right painting or the right message because you are getting into the conversation. Yeah, no, Twitter is awesome. It is. I love that. Yeah. Before I ask you my mountain question, I want to ask you, you know, there are so many factors that uh, affect one's success. But I always believe that for each of us, there is one factor that really made it for them or really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor? I think, and I have to credit my time in marketing and understanding the customers of many, many different products across many different industries. We're all humans. And at the end of the day, humans want human connection and relationships. And so whether or not I'm selling hmm. widgets for a, a tech company or I'm selling software or I'm selling a high-end art you know, painting that I do now, it's not really about the product. And hmm. this might go against what a lot of entrepreneurs say, but it's not even against problem solving. It's just against them feeling understood and feeling like they have a relationship to the product or the people who created it. That's, that's so vitally important. It is. You know, I could get 10 times better, and better is in quotes because art is subjective, but I could get 10 times better at painting, or I could get two times better at building relationships and relating to people, <laughs> and that would help me sell more paintings. Because at the end of the day, the product doesn't matter that much, the problem it solves doesn't matter that much. It really, to me, I think it only matters is, can I connect with the person? Do they care? Hmm. And if I get them to care, then I could get them to buy anything. I could draw a stick figure and I could sell that to them and they will be proud hmm. to put it on their wall because they had this connection and they have that whole story. So that hmm. when the next person comes and that's the referral, you know, the exponential effect to the next business, it's not about them hyping up to say, oh, look at how nice this line quality is and look at how rich these colors are. It's them telling the story about how you got you to gotta meet this artist. He's so cool. These are all the ways we related. This is the struggle he went through and how he persevered. It's just that connection. And that's really all that matters. I love this. And I think you're using painting as part of connecting people, part of communication. So it's so beautiful. Yep. Okay. So my last question before I'll ask you what is the best way to connect with you is my mountain question. Yep. And my mountain question is all about, I always imagine 
this journey of taking possession in the mind of the customer or consumer, building some awareness, building this know, like, and trust that we talk about, and then building a brand, and then climbing another mountain with another brand or another product, like climbing mountains, step after step after step. And at some point, it was because of Mark Schaefer. I don't know if you know him. I love his books. I I think he's the greatest marketer out there right now. And at some point, because I read something in one of his books, I started to ask my guests whether they ever climbed a mountain or wish to climb a mountain or do they have any relationships, physical or metaphorical, to mountains at all. And that's what I'm asking you. Totally. And sidebar, Mark Schaefer is awesome. Hmm. We follow each other on Twitter. We met at a conference that we were both speaking at uh, a while ago, so I can I can relate to that. Hmm. So the mountain, I know this can go multiple ways. I'm going to go with the metaphorical mountain. And it's funny because this will kind of go against what I just said, where I said the most important thing is those relationships of how you make people feel rather than what you're selling or the problem you're solving. But my biggest mountain is how I make myself feel. Hmm. And so that is, to me, doing things that I really enjoy doing, feel like I'm in control of my own life, I'm in control of my own destiny, and that at the end of all of this this crazy one life that I get, I'll be able to look back no matter when it ends and say, that was worth it. Hmm. And so that ties into so much of the journey of you know quitting a corporate job at the age of 30 and moving back into my house with my parents hmm. to do something that really made me happy and made me feel fulfilled to the same tune of that's why I can go and make these connections with people because I know that this is helping not only them feel heard, but it's helping me feel really comfortable in my own skin and happy with everything that I'm doing. And so that that's my my never ending mountain that I'm climbing. And I hope that there's never a top hmm. because If I ever get comfortable and feel like I'm at a top, then that's kind of an indication that I probably need to do something totally different. <laughs> Who knows, five, 10, 50 years from now, maybe I'll say, okay, uh, whatever I need to get for myself, I'm not getting from painting anymore. I'm going to go do something else. And that could be anything. And I couldn't even begin to speculate what that could be. But just looking at like my relationship with myself, my self-talk on a daily basis, and feeling like I made a difference and I mattered and most importantly I mattered to me that's uh, that's my biggest mountain it is a huge mountain I love the way you're saying that because people usually talk about climbing mountain like overcome something which is very um, tough and you talked about mountain like about going in your own path in your own way and feeling good and I think it's beautiful thank you thank you <laughs> Yeah. For sharing that. Before I say goodbye, I just want to ask you, what is the best way to connect with you for any one of our listeners that would like to be in touch? For sure. So I will do a callback to the two favorite platforms I have right now. Number one, I'll just say number one is Twitter. Twitter is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm just at Blake Jamison, and that's spelled B-L-A-K-E-J-A-M-I-E-S-O-N. Same thing on LinkedIn. LinkedIn slash in slash Blake Jamison. Those are the two favorite platforms that I'm on all the time. As an artist, I am on other channels. I'm on Instagram as athlete.portraits. 
kind of the <laughs> SEO route there. And then on YouTube, I'm doing a ton of new video content. And that's just like Twitter and LinkedIn. It's just Blake Jamison on YouTube. So those are my top platforms right now. But I would, I would focus on Twitter. If someone just wants to say, hey, that's a great episode. If you tweet at me, <laughs> I reply to every single tweet, every single message. My DMs are open to everyone. So <laughs> that's, that's the place to start. That's fantastic. And we will have all the links to all your platforms and start with Twitter, LinkedIn, and the others in the show notes of this interview. Perfect. Black, I would like to thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. I enjoyed that a lot. And I'm just thinking of the painting that we are going to put in the show notes. And uh, it's really different. And uh, it's painting my day <laughs> with a bit different colors. So I love it. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Thanks. And take care. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And for you, our listeners, until the next time, it all goes down to this. You either reach or miss. Keep reaching your goals and vision. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Reach or Miss Show, the podcast for the customer-focused entrepreneur. You can find all the information, links, and resources that was mentioned at the show in our website, reachormiss.com. See you next week.